0: Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and with us here is Jed Brewer.
1: Well.
0: I, that's a new twist on that. I did not say i coming. Some 560 episodes in, Jed, Jed can still surprise us, even in the intro. Good to know. I do I can. With us all the way from Brokers, Tennessee, is Lee Younger.
2: International Jed did not disappoint.
0: <laughs> that's right. Jed has reached a level of jet lag where new and interesting greetings are held within himself. They're revealed. Like the end of 2001, he's achieved a new plane.
3: Very, Very much so. Very much so.
0: Indeed, we are all back together from various travels and travails. We have got a great show for you. We've got some of your amazing questions. But first, we start with a mystery emergency. What? A mystery? Now, here's, the, I love here's a the, mystery. the format here. Now, oftentimes, you know, we'll send each other stories throughout the week or we'll talk before we hit record about something we think would be fun to cover in the emergency segment. This week, uh, I've withheld the topic from my co host here because I'd like to, wow. to get their best guess. And then <laughs> in classic, say that style, see if the real thing that happened is way dumber than anything we can come up with. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there is a, a website called worshipleader.com okay which is exactly what you think yeah um it is i'm on their twitter it is this this, this i won't even have you guess because it's too obvious it's based in franklin tennessee
3: that is not a surprise
0: nope uh so but here's the interesting thing i'm looking at their pinned tweet so the tweet they have at the top <laughs> of their uh their twitter account and it's a link and under it is an image that says this To clarify the recent misinformation campaign, we have created a short statement with FAQs. Okay. WorshipLeader.com. To clarify the recent misinformation campaign, we have created a short statement with FAQs. Okay.
3: Interesting. Let
0: me give you some some, uh, headings without giving you the headline of the article. Okay. Uh, Okay. This was posted on uh, Scant two days ago. First one, what happened? Second bullet point, <laughs> what was the public response? <laughs> Did you purposely cancel multiple social media accounts using the words this, this? And I think those are the ones I can read without giving it away. Uh, the final one is, is Worship Leader a large corporation?
3: Okay. So any guesses? I'm pretty sure the answer to that one is no.
0: Yeah, no, It's that's definitely a no. Um, so I will point out that this is this is not a scandal of like the, the recent spate of church scandals. This is not an incredibly dark thing where I'm setting you guys up. This yeah. is, no one was harmed. No one was hurt.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No one was was okay.
0: traumatized. But yeah. something happened with worshipleader.com that they had okay. to create an FAQ. The first two bullet points are what happened and what was the public response.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well here's here's my guess. You know, and I I'm coming off of the the thing with the Gospel Coalition and the really inadvisable article about Ooh. uh married sex and and so I think that they had a whole feature about how to bring lyrics from Song of Solomon into your church <laughs> on a Sunday morning during the worship time. That's that's my best guess. Okay. Yeah. That does uh while
0: well, Lee's thinking, that does remind me of Something we won't do a full emergency on, but we were talking about uh, recently in our our group chat this uh, a couple weeks ago. Of somebody was kickstarting like a graphic novel based on Song of Solomon.
3: Yeah, they oh. also had a
0: frequently asked question section, and one of them was just how sexual is it? <laughs> <laughs> and if you have to write that for your Christian graphic novel GoFundMe, that just feels like a moment where you'd pull up and ask some hard questions of yourself.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I just pulled up Song of Songs chapter one. And there's there's a number of things here that I think could make pretty great Tomlin-esque worship titles. This one, The King Has Brought Me Into His Chambers.
0: like That could also can... be a Prince song.
3: Oh, dude, that would be a good Prince song.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: Lee, any guesses on the, the misinformation campaign apparently being waged against worshipleader.com?
2: I mean, I have all these ideas uh, floating through my brain, like um, like uh, like muppet recreations of the greatest uh, Hillsong hits. Oh. And sure. Pepe um, the prawn
0: and oceans, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: 100 yeah. ab- <laughs> percent.
2: Now that is going now, I, I can't think about anything else for the rest of the episode. I'm going to be phoning in the rest of the episode. Yeah. I'm just letting everybody. No, because that's going to be too fun. Yeah. Or just a, a Statler and Waldorf post-worship service meeting. Yeah. Yes. Where they...
0: You called that a lead? Ho, ho, ho. Yes, I, I, can't, I don't think this joke is fully formed, because I'm not sure if it'll be someone singing about her, or her singing about herself, or she's pitching that every. I think Miss Piggy pitching that they end the set with a song called How Great Is Our Hog?
3: About oh, Piggy being dude. great. That feels ah, like dude. not all the way there, but I I celebrate that. That is that is wow. great.
2: And then uh you know, like a, a a a song about being cleansed of your sins called It's Not Easy Being Clean.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: That's outstanding. So uh, all all fine guesses and all better, more entertaining than what? Actually happened. Um, okay. So uh, the fine people of worshipleader.com copyrighted the phrase worship leader. Okay. What? Yeah. So they uh, trademarked, not copyrighted. Those are different things. They trademarked the phrase worship leader and were pulling down like putting, sending cease and desist orders to like some uh, like parody accounts that use that. So there was one that was like uh. A guy who made kind of Star Wars themed parody oh, yeah. called like Rogue Worship Leader. I Rogue was. Worship.
2: I've seen I've seen that dude's stuff before. I've yeah. actually had people I've had people send me his stuff before.
0: Yeah, they shut him down.
2: Are you serious? The term
0: worship leader. Yeah. And then similarly to the Gospel Coalition article, I had to go into the web archive to find. Uh, they originally put up an article titled Why We Defend Our Worship Leader Trademark. And that went so badly that they scrubbed that from their site and replaced it with the other one. Oh gosh. Which is now titled Worship Leader's Trademark Dispute Statement. Cool. There's that
2: oh, I don't even want to do this. I- I'm just thinking about that uh that that whole a uh, bit in Corinthians where Paul says, you guys are already completely defeated. You're suing one another. Why not rather <laughs> yeah. be wronged?
0: Yes, that's yeah. a very, very good point. Um, so let's let's hear from their situation. So what happened? What was the public response? What happened is we, you know, whatever, um, started uh, sending uh, cease and desist via Facebook or uh, copyright strikes. Good grief. Uh here's their what was the public response? Shortly after these profiles were affected, we got emails from people who were upset. Some began online campaigns saying we were profiting off the popular phrase worship leader, which is used throughout Christendom and demanding we give up our trademark. Many of these campaigns misstated facts and defamed our company. We received hateful and antagonistic emails from some church leaders. Christian media outlets sensationalized the story in editorial coverage. Oh. Yeah. We talk a lot about the victim complex that uh White, particularly white evangelical Christians have on the show. But oh my gosh, you were not the subject of a hate campaign. (laughs) From what I saw, there was one dude who like everything they have tweeted in the last week was like, hey, you guys be real jerks about that trademark thing. That's stupid. (laughs) Do you own a trademark on the job title position worship leader? No, the trademark owned by worship leader relates to business activities in the specific categories and has nothing to do with the titles common use in hundreds of thousands of churches every day. Again, if you describe worship as unlike, you know, the thing that is uh, presumably offered up to God, an act of sanctifying and worshiping and communing with the holiness as a business activity in a, certain, in a specific category, you've lost your mind. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like the idea of it's not like we profited off it. We were just doing it to be jerks. Do you purposely cancel multiple social media accounts that use the words worship leader? No, we contacted Facebook with concern about a single account that had created brand confusion for our ministry. Other affected accounts were restored within days of our knowledge of their removal. If, if parody accounts are getting confused for your non parody thing, that's a you problem.
2: Yeah. Gosh. Also some of the, some of the rogue worship leader stuff was funny, man. The the Star Wars guy was cool. Just leave him alone. Let him let him make his
3: memes, man. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah. If there's somebody who's making content that makes
3: Facebook better, don't shut that down. Don't be that guy. This this aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> Those memes Indeed. really tied the room together.
0: Did they not? <laughs> I wasn't like that. They had to sick Facebook on someone because, um, pre- previously, uh, when Jed and I used to work for the the same ministry. Uh, we'd put up some stuff of, like, uh, videos of, like, our podcasts and some stuff and music videos and whatnot. And we regularly got copyright struck for stuff that Jed wrote, produced, and published all in his own home.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah. And I had to write to someone at Facebook and say, I don't know how much more we can own something. <laughs> <laughs> this came out of my brain. Yes, this is. That this can't be more Jed. Jed cannot have more to do with this. Please stop pulling it off of your platform. But these guys just called up, uh, called up Mark over there and said, we think the Star Wars guy is going to a lot of trouble. Gosh, poor Star Wars guy, man. I'm not sure if he's the, the one that they uh, sicked him on, but he is apparently the most, pop, most popular and beloved person who got caught in the wash.
3: Uh, it's interesting, and you know, I'm I'm not trying to you know to knock anybody, but like the whole thing. If you're trying to to trademark this term that clearly doesn't belong to you, which by the way, I don't know if they know, but like other people can challenge an issued trademark. So like, yep. the fact that you have it doesn't mean you get to keep it. Um, but like, it would be one thing if they were like just this huge, you know, like everybody knows that's what this is, right? So I mean, like. I don't know, like, if, if Christianity Today wanted to—this would be weird, but if they wanted to trademark the word Christianity used in journalism, like, that would be really silly, but, like, yeah. they are kind of a colossus in that world, so you could kind of see the point, right?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they have Christianity Today trademarks, so someone can not open, like, Christianity-Today.net
3: and exactly. put up their own blog. The, these folks on Twitter have 16,000 followers— on Facebook, have 22,000 followers. Ooh. On, on YouTube, have 3,000. And on Instagram, have 9. Not 9,000. 9. Like the numeral 9. Like the numeral 9. At well, least they don't go the in Insta-
0: for these newfangled social medias, Jed. They want to make sure Instagram's going to last.
3: Yeah. Oh, I was I was wrong. If you click through from their website, they have 30,000 on Instagram. If you click through from their Facebook, they appear to have nine, which is also a sign of real quality of things not, are going great. Things are going great. But like, dude, and to be clear, like, you know, I mean, they've, they've put real work into building a presence, but like guys, when you've got you know, an average of of 20,000 followers on a social media network, like you are not a media Colossus. No. Like you, you, you do not have like this, this brand that must be protected because it's, you know, yeah. I, I, at this, I completely track with all of that. I
2: think we also might be missing an opportunity here, fellas, which is what other offices in the church could we go ahead and trademark so that anytime Ooh. anyone uses Ooh. them, we can cash in on their negligence.
3: Well, church pastor is definitely way up there. Yeah. So, yeah. Teaching pastor. We could just trademark that right now. That's very, very good. Well, there's also, you know,
0: there's the cashing in element, but that does seem complicated. Are there some titles or things that are so annoying we can try to trademark them just so other people don't use them?
2: Uh, Mm. Pastors, chief of staff. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. Kind of anything that's not like. Pastor and then a group of people you pastor. So youth pastor, pastor of adult ministries, pastor of women's ministries, college pastor. If it's something along the lines of like pastor of familial formation and spiritual. Nope. We we copyrighted all pastoral (laughs) titles longer than four words.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We, we cop, we copyright and trademark stuff just so that churches won't make stupid things. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even want to profit off of them. We
3: just want to stop churches from saying stupid things. We, we are trademark squatting, but it's for your own good. <laughs> yeah.
0: we're, we're the world's first ever aggressive consultancy firm. It's not that because ch- church consultancy exists, dear listener, but it's not that you called the company and you're like, hey, give us good ideas. It's like, here are things we think you shouldn't do and you didn't ask, but we're going to legally enforce it. Yeah. So here's the most disturbing thing I found in this Q&A in this FAQ. There's a lot there's a lot there to be sure. Um so one of them is and here's the last uh, refuge of a scoundrel. The the Q is what does it as uh, uh basically does it do other Christian uh companies have trademarks? And they say why well, yes we yes they do. A lot of them do and it's a totally normal thing and you have to enforce yourself so you can say in business, oh, is a trademark common among Christian companies? Yes. Most ministries, churches, Christian music labels, book publishers, artists, and magazines have trademarks. Using another company's trademark and trading off that company's hard work and established reputation is illegal. In fact, one of our loudest dissenting voices in the effort to attack us for our trademark has now also applied for a trademark. We support their right and decision to do that. Uh, Uh Worshipweater.com, to quote my mother, if every other Christian media outlet jumped off a bridge, would you also file legal paperwork so you could profit off them jumping off a bridge? <laughs> but here's the, uh, here's the one that really uh, yikes me. So this is is worship leader, a large corporation. No, as we were founded by a guy and he passed the thing and he passed it on to his child. Uh, our founder, Chuck Fromm, passed away in 2020. His daughter, Lexi, assumed the role president. She's one of a, only a few female leaders in the industry. Still not sure what industry we're talking about. Then a group of kingdom-minded investors came on board to help the company and continue its mission. The phrase kingdom-minded investors is going to haunt me a lot going forward. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. They they sound like uh they sound like a villain in a Spider-Man comic. <laughs>
0: That's right. It's like Kang is is His legion of doom is the kingdom-minded investors.
2: (laughs) Exactly, dude.
3: Interesting. Well, they're owned by Authentic Media LLC.
0: Feels like if you had faith, you wouldn't need to limit your liability.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I've I've found the right company, Authentic Media LLC is... uh a company in the state of California, specifically in San Francisco, I don't, I don't know that you can make worship music being, being based in San Francisco. I'm not sure that's permitted.
0: Well, one of the more famous and anti-maskiest uh, worship leaders is from Orange County, so
3: <laughs> who knows what's going on out there?
0: Oh, and they're about us. They use covenant as a verb. I don't care for that at all.
3: Yeah, what's what's the context on that?
0: Let's see. Uh, blah blah blah. And blah. they're like, "What do we do? We covenant to recover, discover, and share treasures of worship, both old and new." I don't like that at all. That's totally fair.
3: Well, without without busting anybody out, I've. I've tracked down the Twitter of, of the dude who appears to be in charge of all of this. I'm sending it now to Lee and Matt for their perusal.
0: Well, as we peruse and to uh, avoid coming in under the auspices of what is clearly a very litigious organization, <laughs> um, I'm gonna, we're going to leave it at that. And if you have any ideas for things we could trademark either to uh, nakedly rent-seeking profit off of or just so people don't do it anymore, uh, please do let us know. But for now, I will declare emergency off.
3: We covenant to declare emergency off. Uh, I don't even like it when we do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, with that aside, we're going to move on to your fine questions. If you have a question for us, you can hang out all the way to the end, or I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. Uh, our first question comes in and says, I find the right email? Here we go. I've heard people say that having joy is different than feeling happy, but I just don't get what that difference is actually supposed to be. Uh, So uh, I think, again, great question. Something we've probably touched on over the years, but a thing that people definitely keep trotting out, maybe without giving a great definition for. So Jed, where would we start off with? Uh, Drawing a difference between joy and happiness, if that is a useful thing to even do.
3: It's a great question, man. I, I think that um, drawing a difference between joy and happiness is one of those things that if you've been around church stuff for a long time, you feel like you're supposed to do, even if you're not really sure what the difference is or why it matters. And so I, I think you have a lot of people that probably are hoping to be helpful and definitely are hoping to sound smart, who if you say, I want to I be happy, say, you should want joy, and then don't really define what that okay, means. Okay,
0: how do we do that? Well,
3: anyway... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and and I've kind of heard different people offer different takes on that, some of which were fairly half baked. So let me let me offer you a a different dichotomy than joy versus happiness. There are two kinds of good feelings. To be clear, everybody wants good feelings. Everybody wants to feel good. So we're we're all in the same boat. But there there are basically two kinds of good feelings that you can have. There are good feelings that happen to you and there are good feelings that you cultivate. Mm. Let me explain this for a second. Some days you have five minutes where you're walking along and it's a sunny day and a bird flies by and makes happy squeaky sounds and you've got a nice cup of coffee and just all of a sudden you're like, man, I feel pretty good, which is awesome. That's great. Those are good feelings that kind of happened to you, right? Like you didn't. You didn't get the cup of coffee and go for the walk with the expectation that you would have good feelings. You just you just got a cup of coffee, but then you, you felt good, which is great. Not taking anything away from that. Good feelings that you cultivate are more like, hey, I know that it really makes me happy to play a little guitar. And so I've scheduled some time in my day where I can sit down and I can play guitar and I'm making sure that I, I kind of keep that routine going. And I've been doing it for a couple of days. You know what? I am just, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I like doing it. And I, I like the sense of balance that it gives me. And I feel like I get a little bit better each day. Because these are also good feelings, but they're good feelings you've cultivated. They didn't happen just randomly. They happened because you... You planned and you executed and you lived in a way that for you specifically would lead to more good feelings. Okay. Here's why that's important feelings that happen to you, like good feelings that just kind of happen to you unbidden, they're fun. And I hope that you have a lot of them, but they're not super duper stable because they tend to kind of leave about as quickly as they come. And by definition, they're not predictable, right? They just, they, they come unbidden. So if you're like, man, I could really use to have good feelings right now. And, and the only way we know how to do that is them happening to us. So that's, that's kind of hard. By contrast, good feelings that you have cultivated are quite useful. They are quite stable, certainly by comparison. But here's, here's the one thing is you might've heard people say that happiness is a choice, which is a little bit of a loaded phrase because it really, really depends what you mean. Good feelings that you have cultivated are definitely a choice. If we take the example of, hey, man, I like playing the guitar. And so I try and give myself 10 minutes each day that I can do it. And, you know, I like the sense of progress and I feel like I'm getting a little bit better, you know, time after time. And it just gives me some nice bounce to my day. Like that is literally a choice that you have made you have you have found something about yourself that brings you a sense of satisfaction and you have chosen to orient your life in a way where you can do it regularly and then you have chosen given that you've oriented your life that way to do it and to and to do it with at least some consistency so what we have is a thing where you have made choices and those choices have resulted in you having good feelings that you have cultivated again that's actually really useful it's it's pretty darn stable it's not like morally better than good feelings that just kind of happen to you, but it is more readily attainable, and again, I think there's a fair amount of posturing that goes on when people talk about joy versus happiness, but like, for all of us on the show, we want you to have maximum strength, good feelings in your life like we we want you to have all the good feelings, we want you to have as much of them as you possibly can. You will have way more of them if you rely principally on good feelings that you cultivate than on good feelings that just kind of happen to you when they happen. So we want to encourage you to figure out what it means to cultivate those for yourself so that you can have as much of them as possible.
0: I think that's a fantastic place to start this off. And Lee, I'd love to get you to come in there because I think one of the things Jed is, is getting to there is that there's a limited utility in drawing a difference between joy and happiness in a kind of a very sermony ways, which is often used to kind of, in, in the, when I've heard people say it, create this idea that you cannot be feeling happy, but have the joy you're supposed to have in, you know, to fulfill whatever biblical commandment to rejoice and be joyful, which is, uh, would make you insane to say, I have joy, but I'm very miserable, would not be, like, not a thing. Also, I don't think what you what anyone who wrote those passages is going for. So I like Jed kind of giving this more of an umbrella of good feelings. And maybe what people are trying to point out, if we're giving them a massive benefit of the doubt, is how good feelings are actually supposed to fit into your life.
2: Yeah. That's that's a really good setup, man. I I do think that in a lot of times in church stuff, it feels like to me the whole thing about you know creating some kind of dichotomy between joy and happiness it's just a semantics argument it's just like a and sometimes it's even it's even worse than semantics sometimes it's it's people who basically are miserable and don't know how to be happy saying yeah but i have the biblical virtue of joy yep even though i'm not a happy person i I, I advertise myself as an unhappy person. Everybody that knows me deeply knows that I'm unhappy. But look, you can't uh you can't bring any accusation against me against me because obviously I have the biblical virtue of joy. Um that's that's even uh, f- more flimsy than semantics. That's just it, it it gets to a deeper problem that that I think a lot of folks have, not just Christians, but um but a lot of folks. And and it's this question and it goes back to what Jed was talking about, which is, do you actually know what makes you happy at all? Yep, yep, yep. And and my question, uh, to, so to go to to Jed's point and Matt's point, um, do you know what feels good? Um, do you know what, or or or, and and it's okay if you don't. Um, but let's talk about it. Are you in a place in your life where you? Th- you know what you think is supposed to make you feel good. Like a person of your age, a person of your station in life, you're supposed to like this kind of music. You're supposed to like this kind of fashion. You're supposed to like this kind of entertainment. You're supposed to enjoy this kind of lifestyle or whatever. And what if you don't? Um, I, I was joking with, uh, well, actually, so last week, uh, my kid is on spring break. He and I went to this arcade where they had a laser tag, and somehow my my son has gotten to the age of a uh, fourteen, and we've never gone to laser tag, which I don't understand because I, I guess I just failed. Anyway, so we're at laser tag and we had a great time. We're driving home and I'm talking to him about this time that a bunch of uh, a bunch of folks that I was on a ministry team with went to do a laser tag thing together, and he was like, "Oh, that's so cool! Who all went?" And I was telling him who went, and he was like, "Cool! Who won?" And I realized that the, one of the guys that won was uh, me and Matt's buddy, Sam. And my son asked me, what was his call sign? And I remembered his call sign was <laughs> this name that he came up with for his Dungeons & Dragons character, which when he was in middle school, he was not allowed to play Dun- Dungeons & Dragons. So he played it on the down low, and he didn't let any of his friends do, know about it because he he figured he would be embarrassed and everybody found out about it. His mom found out about it. He got in trouble. His friends found out about it. They made fun of him. And he tried to hide it, tried to ignore it. And then one day he just, he just busted out and he just said, everybody, everybody in my life, my name is Sam and I play Dungeons and Dragons and my character's name is Saladar and I'm proud of it. And, heck yeah, <laughs> and it was, Sam, just, this, Sam, heck it was yeah. just this great moment where everybody was like, I was like, Oh yeah. When we played laser tag together with the ministry team, Saladar won the day, you know? And it was just like, it was this thing where it was like, Oh man, like learn who you are yeah, and what makes you happy and own that thing, man. Like go for it, be you. But the first part of, of owning that and being you might have to be shuffling off some of the things that you're that you think you're supposed to like or the things that you think you're are supposed to bring you joy or whatever that stuff is. I think a, a, you know, it's a it's a weird bizarre Christian question and I'm not putting that on you question asker. I'm putting it on Christian culture. It's a weird and bizarre question is happiness the same as joy? When you read the Old Testament you find the writers of the old Testament talking about gladness and joy in the same verses. And the reason for that is, and this is a little nerdery, but in the Hebrew language, um, when they wrote songs and poetry, they didn't rhyme based on sounds. They rhymed based on, on concepts. They like for them, it wasn't like Rap music would be different in the Hebrew language. You don't rhyme based on if a, if a word sounds like another word. You rhyme, in your heart and in your mind, you rhyme if the concept is the same thing. So they talked about gladness and joy. That was a way that they rhymed those verses together. It wasn't to be parsed out. It's because they harmonize. It's because they rhyme. It's because they're related. They're the same thing. It's a weird Christian thing to separate out joy and happiness. The real question for us is, do I actually know what would make me happy walking in nice weather with coffee and bird song? That sounds like it sounds like Jed was having a great day right there. Maybe that's yeah, not your great day. Maybe your great day has something to do with, uh, I don't know, like hiking an impossible, you know, climb with crampons on your boots and there's, and it's an ice mountain and for some reason that would be really really amazing. Maybe that's your gig, man. That's totally cool. That's I think for for most of us, I think the real question for us is, do I actually know what makes me happy? Do I actually know what brings me gladness? Can I own that I am a unique human being out of all the human beings that have ever lived? And the the quest for what makes me joyful is a quest worth going on. It's going to be a unique quest and I should go on it because uh, those good feelings are worth it. And um, and and exactly as Jed's saying, finding out what they are and then aiming at them on purpose is a worthy quest.
0: Yes, absolutely right. Extremely well put. Um, as a contrast, release story of uh, our buddy uh, declaring his his identity in Dungeons and Dragons to everyone. Uh, a similar thing is I. The only memory I have of that laser tag game. Is where they they like run you through the rules at the beginning and it was like some 17 year old kid. And he was like, so is uh, the boundaries. And if you have a if you have any questions, please contact one of us. My call sign is Kilgore. (laughs) He just didn't, he didn't seem excited to be Kilgore anymore. The thrill was gone from that. And, uh, (laughs) you know, that's what, that's what happens when you make your, your passion, your, your job. Just going to put that out there. If, side if, if
2: people I would love to experience Kilgore Kilgore back in the days when he really really woke up and thought today I am Kilgore,
0: yeah, yeah. that's right. That's what we're that's what we're all chasing. And be a Salazar, and, not a Kilgore. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, Saladar ate his lunch that day as yes. well as everybody else.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're gonna move on to our next question. Here it comes in and says: Is there something sinful about making something happen in your life? Is that not waiting on the Lord? an excellent question and uh listener. I'm going to love with you. We've been doing the show for a long time. Uh, we've all developed a bit of a sixth sense for the, I'm asking this question about a sermon point. I heard that sounded
3: strange. Yeah,
0: uh, this one, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying this one kind of reeks of that. And Jed, where do we start?
3: It's a great question. We're glad that you wrote in. I, I think that there's kind of, of two sides to this. So let, let's start with, um, Um, the non-churchy nonsense side of it. And and the answer there is that, like, for almost any good thing that's going to occur in your life, you have a participatory role to play. There are almost no good things that have occurred or will occur in your life where you have no role at all to play in it happening. In fact, I'm not sure I can think of any uh, where, like, you are purely passive and should not participate in any way at all. Ice luge. (laughs) Maybe once you start
2: down that path, Jed, it's just going to happen to you.
3: Absolutely. You just, you know, the luge has a mind of its own. So other than ice luge, if you're hoping something good's going to happen in your life, you, you probably are going to have to participate and be involved and, and, you know, help to, to move it forward. Um, the question of at what point are you making it happen? I mean, like, we don't really have a scientific instrument that can detect that, so that's kind of a, a matter of opinion. You are going to have to participate in the process, and how assertive you, you're going to be probably depends on the situation and on your personality, which is which is totally cool. Um, yeah, in almost any good thing in your life, there are roles for other people to play too, including God, and you generally can't play the role of the other person as well. Right. So I mean if you're thinking of like dating relationships, like you might need to ask somebody out, but like you can't you can't answer for them (laughs) because that that does kind of defeat the purpose. Like you have a role, but they have a role and you know we 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 have to respect one another's roles. And that's that's fine. Um and again, God does have have a role in all these things, but but critically you do have to play your role if you want that thing to happen. Um, if you, if you're hoping you, you know, can go out on a date, you'll probably need to ask somebody out. If you're hoping that you'll have a different job, you, you probably will need to apply for jobs. You know, if you're hoping that you will learn to play guitar, you, you will probably have to obtain a guitar in some way and then spend time making noise with it. There's not really a way around this. What I can tell you just in my own life is generally speaking. More assertive is more good. Um, the, to use your phrase of making something happen, leaning into that is generally speaking the right way to go. As with all things, yeah, I mean you can you can overdo stuff. the The way that most people overdo making things happen, just so you're aware, is being impatient. It's I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to make it happen in an unrealistic time frame. That's that's typically where that runs afoul, but having a sense of there's a thing that I really want to occur. I can see steps that I could take to help bring that to fruition. I will now in a very diligent and focused way, take those steps. That's good, man. Like that's, it would be very, very rare for, for that to be in any way a bad thing. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to imagine like, unless you're the thing you've decided you really want to be is to be a drug Lord and you're going to you know work really hard at that. Like you shouldn't, You shouldn't do that. But if it's not, if you're not trying to become like a comic book villain, it's probably a good thing. So that's, that's part one of the answer to your question, but part two has to do with the church nonsense side. And so you've asked, you know, if I'm making things happen, is that not waiting on the Lord? And dude, I don't, I don't know how to put this gently, but like for an awful lot of churches, at least in the U S like. Their fundamental message to you is however you feel you are wrong, Mm -hmm. whatever feelings you have, you are wrong to have those feelings. And here's some Bible sounding stuff to tell you why you are wrong to have the feelings that you have. Right. So like you might be saying, look, man, I've been out of work for a while and I really need a job and it's, it's, it's caused me a lot of problems. And, you know, I, I know God will come through for me, but it really sucks to wait. And I'm, I'm running out of patience. I'm also running out of money. I really need something to happen here. And like, man, there's just a lot of church people where like, the only thing they know how to do is to tell you, well, you're wrong to feel that way. And so probably you should just wait on God to do it, which man, that's, that's not good advice. Like you should, you should. Talk to a career counselor and apply for jobs and, and, you know, yeah, you should pray and you should ask God to open doors for you. And you should also ask God to give you strength for that journey and ask God to give you courage to take steps and to ask God to sustain you. But you should absolutely be taking steps, man. This idea of for you to be in charge of your own life and and driving forward things in your own life, that that's somehow not waiting on the Lord. That's just a bunch of nonsense, man. Um, You know, I can... I guess I can imagine hyper-specific scenarios where the wise thing to do is to be extraordinarily patient, bordering on passive, and you get that advice from a number of people with real subject matter expertise, and when you pray about it, you feel like you're getting a leading from the Lord that those people are right. and You should listen to them. And therefore the wise thing is to be very patient and very slow on a particular field of endeavor. Like I can imagine that happening, but you should not expect that to be the majority case in your life. That would be a very, very rare occurrence where you would want a lot of people who really know that scene to weigh in. Otherwise, I think you've just got somebody putting a guilt trip on you for no reason. Yeah,
0: absolutely right. There's a lot of great advice in there. Uh, Chief among them, if you... Assertive is oftentimes more good until you find yourself getting to comic book villain level. The kingpin is too assertive. Too assertive. Too much. If you find yourself getting that far, you know, demanding that, you know, your team of ninja assassins take out people who are impinging on your your schemes, you got to dial that back just a little bit. If you're punching
2: a blind lawyer in the face... You've gone too far. ...in Hell's Kitchen.
0: Yes. And speaking of lawyers, and while we're covering things legally, uh, I was struck by Jed saying, if you if you think it makes you happy to play guitar, obtain a guitar. I would like to amend that to buy a guitar. <laughs> Do not just obtain a guitar somehow. The Say That Podcast does not support that. Please purchase one. Uh, you can find them very reasonably. Or I have one that I'm not doing anything with. Just, just email me. I, my wife would love to get it out of the apartment. That's fine.
3: <laughs> Please obtain a guitar through legal and ethical means. No, I specifically want you to do a smash and grab on a guitar center. I mean, take a brick, mm-hmm. go to the window. It's the only... You know what? If you don't do that, maybe you're just not trusting the Lord to cover your legal bills. <laughs> maybe that's, <laughs> that's maybe something you should think about.
0: Jed, here's what I want to ask. Would the brick be necessary? Because every guitar center I've ever been in, I could walk in, pull something off the wall and go, I'm stealing this. And they will go, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. <laughs> and they're correct. That is the exact right amount of effort they should be putting into that job. And I celebrate it. Yeah. Uh, So uh, Lee, anyway, back on topic. Uh, So a lot of great stuff there from Jed uh, in earnest. And where do we pick up with this idea? I think he's exactly right. That there is a certain amount of this of just, you said actually tying it back to the last question, you know, you may have told someone or just heard a sermon about, I am unhappy and I'm doing this thing. And then some Christian person said, well, you're probably unhappy because of that thing, because that's the only piece of information I have. And I know two facts that you're unhappy and that you are bad. So let me reflect that back to you in this way. Um, so where do we go about kind of a uh, re uh, uh, kind of rethinking some of that? Let's let's first of all
2: uh, clear up some of the, the Christian nonsense that Jed referred to Uh
0: good alternate I'd... title for this show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would bet. A lot of dollars that you heard a a pastor preaching a sermon from the book of Romans in chapter fourteen, where the apostle Paul does say completely. It it, and if you isolated this, it would be completely out of context. That everything that does not come from faith is sin. That is a sentence that's in the Bible. However, it's part of a broader context in the book of Romans in chapter fourteen, where the apostle Paul is talking about the fact that some people have qualms about eating certain things based on uh you know some some pagan rituals and rites and some people don't have the qualms about the things and we need to respect each other and care about each other and that is the context by under which he says look everything that doesn't come from faith is sin in other words you could do something without you know without thinking about it without caring about somebody else in your life you could just railroad somebody and you would hurt their feelings or you would offend them or something like that. And so let's let's walk with the Lord, let's be sensitive to the Spirit, and let's be careful about the way that we make other people feel about their own convictions and stuff like that. That has nothing to do with the idea that you should just completely have no assertive uh, drive about anything in your life. All that to say— I am absolutely on board with Jed completely, 100%. Somebody preached a sermon about some verse like this or something else like it that that they took out of context. And the thing that you need to know is everybody needs to relax, believe in the Lord, and then live your life. Yeah. Like, look, love stuff, choose stuff, try stuff, screw stuff up, learn from that stuff, be willing to reflect on the things that you've done, and grow that is the human experience god understands that the bible says god knows that we are dust um part of a huge part of our faith is that god is at work in the midst of everyone else's screw ups and plans and schemes things that go well and things that go awry everybody needs to relax live your life be willing to make mistakes grow reflect change and 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 figure out what it looks like for you to move forward. All of that stuff is completely normal, but you are going to have to take control of some things in your life, and that is not a thing that is against your faith. Growing and learning, changing and in humility, reflecting and adjusting, those are all very, very godly things, and you can absolutely do that.
0: Fantastically put. That's great stuff from both of these guys. On that, we're going to move on to our final question for this episode. It comes in and says, Is it wrong to want an apology before forgiving someone? I don't feel good about letting someone back into my life if they won't admit that they did wrong. Another a great question, and another one that reeks of, I heard a sermon of someone re- trying really, really hard to make a point they didn't entirely understand, and now we're here. Um, But again, a a great question, and one that I think has some, some wide-reaching uh, Application. So, Jed, where do we kick off?
3: It's an awesome question, man. Okay. So, I, real quick, I want to talk about just the mechanics of forgiveness. And then we're going to talk about, I think, something that's a little bit more important. So, in your question, you are equating forgiveness and restoration, which are not the same thing. Um, and you're kind of glossing over the issue of trust, which is different from either of those things. Yeah. Forgiveness, restoration, and trust are three different things. And probably the easiest way to, to think about them is to think, recognize that a lot of the terms in the Bible that have to do with forgiveness come from the world of finance. They, they come from the world of banking. So suppose that you're a customer at a bank and the bank loaned you $1,000 and you absolutely refused to pay it back. Forgiveness simply means we no longer expect you to repay that $1,000. That's what forgiveness means. There are no other implications beyond that. They don't mean that you're welcome back in the bank. That, that, that doesn't mean that they want to see you. It definitely doesn't mean they would ever loan you money again, ever. It means you owed us $1,000. We have decided we are no longer pursuing that claim against you. That's what forgiveness means. Restoration means eh, if, you've, if you've got 10 bucks and you need change for a 10, we're willing to let you come in the bank and, and, you know, do that business there. We're not, you know, going to never allow you to be around ever again. That's restoration. And then trust is we're willing to think about possibly loaning you money again in the future. That's, that's what each of those three things are. And so, like, in, in your own personal life, right, like, if someone has, has hurt you, forgiveness means I'm not seeking revenge against this person, I am I am letting this this thing go like in within my own spirit. I'm I'm releasing this claim against them. Restoration has to do with the rebuilding of a relationship where you guys can interact and and be be civil and then trust is where they they earn your trust and and part of the trust is that they're not going to act that way again in the future. There is a an obligation in scripture to forgive which again is an internal thing where you are deciding I am not going to pursue this claim against them. I'm not going to, going to seek revenge against them. There's not the same kind of um, mandate in the Bible for restoration, and there's no mandate in the Bible for trust, um, like at all. So there's that. But that's kind of the mechanics. I want to talk about something a little bit different for a second. You've got this person, I assume, because people don't generally ask these questions in the abstract, you've got this person who's hurt you, they've done something and you feel an obligation, like I'm supposed to be a certain way, but I don't know, and they haven't apologized. I want you to imagine that God appears to you on a cloud, and God says to you, man, you don't have to do anything. With this person, this one time, you don't have to do anything. If you want to just declare this person totally dead to you, and you don't, you never think of them ever again, fine, no problem. You can, you can do whatever you want here, and I'll, I'll back your play. I want you to imagine for a second as a thought experiment that God appears and says that to you. What would you want to do? I want you to think about that. What would you want to do? And I want to encourage you to really explore that space. To really go through what you would want and why you would want it. Because I think you've got some feelings and some thoughts about this other person that you are not fully acknowledging. To yourself yeah right, like my guess is that this person has been kind of unpleasant or unkind or not good towards you, maybe quite a little bit, and then there's like this one thing that's clearly out of bounds um and it's like, okay, well, that has to be dealt with because of like Christian rules and whatnot, but I also just kind of don't like this person, and i don't I don't really want to be around them here's the thing, man, you're allowed to not like people. Like you don't, you don't have to pretend like uncool people are cool. You're under no (laughs) obligation to do that. And, but I I think that it's really hard to know where you stand and what you want if you're not giving yourself space and permission to actually think these things through, right? Like one of the problems of being like, oh, well you have to forgive, you're a Christian, you have to forgive, which is, Kind of true, but not really in the way that people say it is. We short brain the process of figuring out how we feel about things, and we short brain the process of figuring out what we what we want with things. To be honest with you, man, like so something that um, a friend has said to me that I think is really true is: before you can have a good forgiveness, you typically need to have a good anger. And I think it's worth looking at. Have you even given yourself permission to be really pissed off at this other person? Have you given yourself permission to be really angry? Because if somebody's hurt you, being angry makes total sense. We, we may not want to stay there forever for a lot of reasons, but um, we can't even look at how long we're going to stay there if we're not willing to go there at all. I want to encourage you to give yourself permission to maybe set aside what you have to do or are supposed to do and just figure out where you're at. How do you feel? Why do you feel that way? Not in terms of you need to justify why you feel, but just to understand How did I get to the place where I feel this way? And the more that you can understand it, I think the more you'll have a sense of what you want, and also how what you want could overlap with what God may or may not be calling you to do. Great
0: place to start that off, and Lee, where did we pick that up?
3: Not a whole lot to add there. It's
2: absolutely fantastic point, and and a really good breakdown of 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 things that get all jumbled together uh, in a lot of Christian circles, and just in a lot of kind of friendship circles. Um the the last piece that I would add to this is that forgiveness is is about your mental health. Yep. Whereas restoration and trust is about your relationship with them. So the thing that I want to suggest is I think you should forgive them and I think that I think that you should go down the line of that the way that I think you should parse all the pieces of that out in exactly the way that Jed has laid out for us. And the reason is that if you hold on to that sense of debt that I have to pursue um, this being made right because this person hurt me or because this person embarrassed me or because this person made me feel the fool or whatever the thing was, you know the 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 idea that you're going to get the perfectly satisfactory um, you know uh, payout on that debt, it's pretty low in actual relationship experience. I mean. The jerk store line just doesn't play as well as you think it's going to. Uh for those that don't have that reference, I apologize. It's a 90s reference. That's what we do on this show. It's just the but the jerk store line just doesn't work. It just doesn't play. In other words, whatever the thing is that I think is gonna I'm gonna get them back. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to this and I'm gonna be Im- immovable and I'm gonna keep this bitterness and I'm gonna. I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to nurse it. I think Jed's exactly right. I think you need to allow yourself time to be angry. I think you need to allow yourself time to feel that. I think you need to be honest about that. And then I think you need to process through that and get to the place where you forgive, not because you're seeking a relationship with this person, not because you're not willing to set up healthy boundaries against this person. You shouldn't give them a chance to hurt you again, for sure. But forgiveness is about you releasing the sense of their debt to you for your mental health. You don't need their nonsense in your life. That's what I'm saying to you. Forgiveness gives you the chance to release your mental state from their nonsense. In a way, the longer you hold on to that sense of their debt to you, they stay a harmful force in your life, if you can dig that. They remain a person who has not only the potential, but the actual agency of hurting you. And so I'm saying at a certain point, you release the idea of getting them back. Like, dude, be on your nonsense, whatever, whatever. You be whoever you're going to be. I'm not going to be in a relationship with you, and I'm not going to allow you to do that again. I'm not seeking to personally get you back or harm you because I've moved on. And that's because that's good for you. Now, the rest of it, all those things that Jed talked about, restoration and trust, those are things we do not need to extend. I think that there is a—I actually think there should be a, a friendship bill of rights. And, um, and, and if a person is not going to honor those things, and if they have shown themselves to be untrustworthy in the things that, the, the things that real and good friendship— you know, requires, then you should not extend them the right of friendship. There, you may have heard that in the, you know, that the New Testament is written in the Greek language and that there are different words for love that are used in the Greek New Testament. One of them is a word that is basically means care. And that's a word that that the New Testament commands that people that believe in Jesus extend to every single person. You should care about people. It's, it's a word that you may have heard, agape, the, the, the love that, that Jesus showed people. He just cared about people. He had compassion on people. There's another word, phileo. It's like where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, that kind of stuff. Um, that word is, is, is a word that means friendship. That word is never used in, a, in an actual command in the New Testament. And that's because that kind of friendship is not something you can command. You get to choose who your friends are. It's, it's a command that people that believe in Jesus are people that care about people and extend compassion to people. It is not a command that you extend the trust of and, and, uh, friendship to every single person you know. Jed's exactly right. You don't have to like everybody, and you don't have to extend trust to everybody. You yeah. should release uh, feelings of, uh, of bitterness because that's good for your mental health, not because it does anything
0: for them absolutely right i think that is a great point i think it tacks exactly onto where jed started us there because one of the things i think both of these guys are pointing to is you're gonna have to figure this situation out for you um it's good to get counsel from friends if you, have a, if you have a trusted counselor or something like that it's obviously great to pray about something but only you know where those lines really fall and that kind of goes on both directions obviously Um, no one can say you have to forgive this person. You have to have a reconciled relationship. That's just not something anybody saved you to. But also I think there is such a thing as getting pressure from the other side. I don't want to say they're equivalent, but I think it does happen of you don't have to get a full, um, apology that someone on Instagram would have scripted. It doesn't have to happen just the way you always pictured in your mind and you're fully emotionally reconciled in that moment. you kind of get to decide if what you think is best for your own mental health or whatever relationship you want going forward with this person is to accept what you've been given and try to move forward, how much you want to try to move forward, how fast you want to try to move forward. Um, you know, we talk a lot, we've talked a lot in the years about the show, about how, um, really forgiveness does require some form of apology. And I definitely stand by that. I think that's true, but, you kind of get to decide what form you're okay with that apology taking. And if you want to push for more, if you want to take what's been handled, there's, if you, if certain things need to be said, if certain things can be left unsaid and are understood, relationships are are tricky and communication is tricky. And um, there's not a script you have to follow one way or the other. This is about uh, what's best for your life uh, with this person in it or out of it, how much they're in or out of it what's best for you going forward, and that's a thing worth keeping in mind, and we definitely feel that's true for you. Alright, if you have a question for us, say podcast at gmail.com com slash ask we're going to keep that entirely anonymous Tay of the Song we are rolling up to the end of the Lenten season. A couple more shows before Easter we'll take out with Jed's version of the Old Rugged Cross. Thanks for listening, just remember we love you, God loves you, there's nothing you can do about it
1: On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross I will cling to thee